Let me pray, and we'll uh, get in the Word, because uh, I can see it on everyone's face, including my 14-year-old who started high school this week. Everyone's just tired of lots of things, right? <laughs> of life and 2017 per se, but let's pray. Father, help me and help us. Give me grace. Even help the technology that we could put your word on the screen if that's what you would have for us this morning. And if not, uh, may your word come powerfully to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Look at that. Prayer answered. Very good. Amazing. So we've been in Daniel for a few weeks now, and we've been in this exile series, and you should know it by almost wrote now. We are trying to discern the tension to live in. We are living as exiles as Christians in America or any other country. There are no Christian nations. Sorry to burst the bubble. I will find a flaw biblically with every nation. I'm not king. That's just humanity, right? Okay? God, coming in Christ, did not desire to set up a Christian nation. He desired to what? Usher in the kingdom by dying and saying, come and follow me and build my kingdom. Okay? And then he wanted people who believe in the kingdom to believe in his way to go live as they would in all their nations. If you don't believe me, go read Revelation 7 this afternoon. So that a people from every tribe and tongue and nation would come to the kingdom to do his work and then one day be with him forever. That's kind of the, the salvation story in like 30 seconds that I missed a lot of points, but that's the basics, okay? So as Americans, as Christians, we are exiles. America is our home, but it's not. We buy houses here, but we're really leasing space, right? We're renting things, okay? There's ways to make wise decisions, but we are not simply Americans when we believe in Jesus. We're Christians. In Jeremiah the prophet, we saw, while the, the Jews are in exile in Babylon, said, get comfortable, you're going to be there at least seven decades. Whew. How would a proud Jewish person who just saw their capital destroyed, what would that sound like to them in Babylon? What? Then Jeremiah goes on to say what? Get jobs. Build houses. Take a wife. Not two. Take a wife. Have kids. And see the welfare of the land you're in so that you may remain faithful and be formed to Yahweh and by Yahweh. So that's where we're at. But then as you guys know, there is this 1 John 2, 15 through 17 passage where we're told, do not love the world or anything in the world. Everything in the world, its desires, the pride, the pride of the eyes, the flesh is passing away. So that's the tension. Well, how do we define that? And we've defined the world as the way of the world, right? John's talking about the way of the world or the way of empire. There's always been at least one empire since history started. Sometimes there's two empires. Usually after a bloody war, there remains what? One empire. That's the way of the world. So we're going to continue. Daniel chapter 6. We'll pick it up. I'm going to kind of paraphrase some. We're going to hit some scripture because I want to try and get through the whole chapter. Okay? Daniel chapter 6 is approximately 50 to 60 years after the destruction of Jerusalem, after the Babylonians came in, and took the best of the best, the Jewish people, away to Babylon. Okay? By Daniel chapter 6, one of King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams has been fulfilled. Remember the dream? Big statue, gold head, silver chest. Remember that? The Medo-Persian Empire has come to the Babylonians and said, you're done. <laughs> the gold is gone. The silver's here. There's a new kingdom. Okay? And so Daniel now, in some of his 
brethren, all the Jewish people, are living under a second empire. They'd be like, man, remember when we used to be on top? Now we got two pagan cultures taking us over, okay? And many of us know the name, but King Cyrus was the first king of the Persian emperor. Empire, I should say that way. And then Darius shows up, okay? By this time, Daniel's probably between 75 and 85. He's a wise old saint. He's a sage, so to speak. As I said, King Cyrus has been replaced by King Darius. And King Darius, when he took over, as many new kings do, what do they do? I'm going to reorder this thing. The old man had it wrong, or whatever we do, right? So what King Darius wants to do is he wants to take the empire, which he's overseen, and divide it up into 120 provinces or states, and have one governor run each small area, and then three chiefs of staff. Smart, right? I want 120, and then I want one person to oversee 40. So I want 123 people helping me out. Okay? That sounds good. And of course, Daniel, because he's of good reputation and good repute, and he does things in certain ways, gets picked. The government shifts this way, and things start to happen. And if you haven't read the story, guess who shines the brightest? Daniel. The outsider. The non-Medo-Persian or Babylonian begins to rise to the top. I always say it, but I will use a Hamilton reference. He's not throwing away a shot, right? He never does. Hamilton and Daniel kind of be similar in that way. They rise to the top. And so over the next time period, over the next season... King Darius, I got KD in my notes, not warrior KD, but King Darius, right? He looks and goes, man, all my normal people just do their job, but this Daniel guy, he does a lot of great things. And in our house, we call it GSD, he gets stuff done. That's what Daniel does. King, what do you need? Okay, I'll do it. And he appears to be a wise person, a self-starter, he doesn't appear to be a victim. <laughs> he gets his things done. And so then Darius says, I'm going to put him basically second in command of my whole empire. Kind of like who? Joseph and others. So he fully rises to the top, and Daniel's placed in a very prominent position. I'm not getting political. I'm getting biblical. An immigrant from outside the empire is number two. There it is. Holy Spirit, do in our hearts what you need to do. Amen? You want me to contextualize it modern day to really do the hard work in America? A Turkish man rises through the ranks of government. He is the wisest, most faithful, has the most integrity, and he's number two in the nation now calling shots. Holy Spirit, do what you got to do in my heart too, right? That's the modern day contextualization. An outsider is serving well for the good of the nation and fearing the one true God. So what do the rest of the governors and people in the government do at this point? You guys know history. Are they happy for Daniel? Woohoo! Daniel, the outsider, he's got the king's ear, he's the best, I'm so happy for him, long live Daniel. What do they do? They go, uh-uh, 
No way. So they conspire, kind of like Joseph's brothers. I don't know if we want to go there. And they get a plan, and they start to spy on Daniel. And they start to follow Daniel. And they come back together and go, this guy, man, is he a robot? Is he an angel? He's a man of integrity. He won't take bribes. He works hard. His word is his bond. He walks with righteousness. He is light in a dark world. That's my paraphrase, but that's what they said. He's upright. He's blameless. And then one of the smart ones, cynical ones maybe, in the crowd goes, I know how we can get him. He's a devout man. He reads his scriptures and he prays daily with a pattern. Why don't we go ask Darius, since he's a new king, why don't we go ask him to sign into law for the next 30 days? We want to establish you, Darius. We want to make sure the kingdom's for you, Darius. We don't want any division in your kingdom, Darius. Why don't we do it this way? Why don't we make a law that if anybody prays to any God or people other than you, they die? I could preach probably three weeks on that type of mentality, right? So that's what they do. And they come to the new king, and it sounds great, right? Yes, I need unity in my kingdom. I want everyone to be on one page, and they sell it apparently in a very unifying way. And so part of the Medo-Persian hierarchy is once a king pens a law, not even the king can what? Change it. And so maybe half-witted or maybe caught in the moment or maybe with a gulp of pride. How many of you make good decisions when you're boastful? <laughs> At least you're not lying in church, nor do I. How many of you make good decisions when everyone's telling you exactly what you want to hear? <laughs> We're not lying in church. So he signs into law for the next short period of time. If anybody prays, to anybody but me, lion's den. They threw in the lion's den. These people, they almost wanted to make it a grandiose spectacle, right? <laughs> like we're going to get him. And so, I think we'll go to Daniel 6.10, if we can get there. Daniel 6.10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, he got on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to his God as he had done what? What that really means, as he had done probably every day of his life. So Daniel, when hearing that this legislature had been passed, did the same thing he did the day before and the week before, and probably the year before, and probably the decade before, and probably almost a half decade, or 80, 70, however old he was, when he was formed as a young boy, he was praying just like he always had done. These men who were out for Daniel knew that he prayed, obviously. How would they know that Daniel prayed? Otherwise, think about this. We've got to think. No one thinks anymore, including myself. 
Did they follow him home? Possibly at this point. Not to put Josh on the forefront, but we just had a junior high houseboat trip, and he was great, and he's a great example, and he's kind and loving, so Debbie and Bill, wonderful. But how do I know Josh believes in Jesus Christ besides him telling me? How do I know? Because as we know, in America especially, you can say whatever you want. How do I know? I know by his life. I know by spending time with him. I know by seeing how Josh reacts in a tense situation. I know what Josh believes when he is wrongly accused of something and whether he rages. And if he rages, he's quick to say, I was wrong. That's not who I want to be. I know things about Josh at that point, right? I know by how faithfully is he's a student when it comes to homework. I know if I'm a student and I sit next to him, Josh doesn't cheat and he's a student of integrity, that tells me things about him. Now it doesn't cement that he has faith in Jesus Christ, but it sure points that direction, right? So these men knew that Daniel prayed because Daniel was a light in a dark kingdom. Daniel apparently was the salt and light Jesus would preach about seven or 800, 900 years later. Daniel was a kingdom citizen that believed in God, and here's the point, was formed by God deeply when he prayed. Church, quick, what is prayer for? I teased Ruth yesterday. She has a beautiful car. It's an older Mercedes, right? It's not for simply just getting Mercedes. I teased Ruth yesterday at our meeting. It's not for just getting stuff. Prayer is so we could go before the throne of grace and be formed by God himself. I'm jumping all around, but can you go to Hebrews 10, guys? Is it 19? This is what prayer is, and this is the price that it took for us to be ushered in close to God. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter where? The holy places by the blood of who? Jesus, our slain land. Now, because of what Jesus did, because he was on the cross, because he died and rose again, we now have been given the right as believers to come close to him in prayer. We can have confidence. I can go to the throne room of grace. I don't have to worry about that curtain that was 18 to 2 feet thick and this picture of this holy burning fire, which God is. But in this new covenant, he said, I also want you to see me supremely as the slain lamb. Come close to me. Next verse. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that was his flesh. That's what I just talked about. Next verse. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that's Jesus. Next verse. Let us draw near. For me, pastor, I'll speak for pastor. I don't want to speak for you. Prayer is less about what Dave Johnson wants and more about what he needs, and he doesn't even know what he needs half the time. Amen? I don't. I need to be formed by God. That's what I need. I need to come face to face with his love and grace and power and righteousness, and he has prescribed a way for us to do that, and it's called prayer. 
to come close, to be formed, to have communion, to have fellowship with my loving Father is the best thing for me. I just don't think I need it. Why? Because this culture and where we live pushes what? What's part of John 2? It's all the things you know. It's all the things we know. It's sexual morality. It's greed. Those are the poster board ones. What's the sneaky one? Pastor, if you could see my schedule, you would say I don't have time to pray. That's the sneaky one. Mostly because I know you. All of you are doing good things. <laughs> Your schedules are filled with what? Good things. Spiritual things. Volunteer things. Work things. Family things. Pastor says, amen, all good things. But that's the sneaky one, right? Let me just sneak in there and convince Carol that she's doing everything good and she doesn't have time to pray. That's the sneaky one. Because to Daniel... And in his walk with Yahweh, in his belief in God, he made time to spend with the Lord daily. And he was number two in command for much of his life. There's the parallel, right? I'm not going to tell you what to do. Hopefully I live an example and can teach some of it. But if this is like, whoa to you, take the pastor's word for one week. When you wake up tomorrow, pray. It doesn't have to be something that would be on a monastery Facebook. Pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for waking me up. That's a good prayer. When you know you're about to go in the la-la land and sleep, I would admonish you to pray. That's a good start, right? And this is the last one for the pastor. Find a dedicated time, it can be two minutes or 20, whatever you want, in your day where you put everything away and pray. This is the opportunity we all have to be formed by God. When we wake up, and I need it mostly around noon, because the days come, right? <laughs> the world's come. I've read things, I've said things, I've had conversations. Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Good. Matthew 6, can we go there? You got that one? Because Jesus knew that. And Jesus taught us. And Jesus loved us to go, this isn't a magic potion. We taught about this a year and a half ago. Go find the sermon that's more in depth. Okay, we'll say it that way. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father. You don't have to do that. What is Jesus saying? Don't make it a spectacle like who? The Pharisees. Just go and pray, okay? And your father, who is in secret, will reward you in what? God doesn't need you on Highway 101 to buy a billboard to go, I'm going to pray, God. He understands. In fact, Jesus teaches he already knows how we need to be formed before we're even formed. He just asks us to come. Okay? Next verse. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles. You guys know this. Don't just use all these words. Next verse. We'll kind of blast through it because it's familiar. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Keep going. Pray like this. We all know it. Next verse. This is a good... This is a good template. It's not a magic pill. Father, you're God. 
please bring and continue to bring your goodness here. Next verse. That's not bad, right? One of Jesus' great sayings. Don't worry about tomorrow's headlines. Today's headlines are, it's just enough trouble for today. <laughs> that's, one of the, that's one of the things Jesus said, right? Give us what I need today. Give me, give, me, give me what I need today. Help me the next 12, 14, 18 hours. Next one. And here it is. That's the heart of prayer. Pastor will encourage you, not tell you, I'll strongly encourage you. When you pray, when you see fit, however many times a day you do, remember, Prayer is based on humility. We are coming before God and saying, Father, I want to take this time to be formed by you. And it's based on the forgiveness you and I have received in Jesus Christ. That's what it's based on. The whole office was given to us in that reality. And whatever you do, whether you wake or midday or sleep, pray that you would be forgiven and that you would have the grace to what? Forgive others. Next verse. That's a pretty good prayer nowadays, always, right? Father, stay me from the darkness out there, but I'll be your light, but stay me from it. And the last one, I think we're there. That's hard. That's Jesus' only commentary on the Lord's Prayer. That's not part of the prayer. How do I know that? Because I'm past the fourth grade education. You know that too. That's what I'm trying to say. That's his only commentary on his, his own prescription for prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I spent a lot of years kind of trying to theologically make this fit into a hole and whatnot. It literally means that. If you claim the forgiveness of Christ but have no forgiveness in your heart, you do not have the forgiveness of Christ. Sorry to be blunt with you. That's what it means. It's hard. That's why the Holy Spirit comes and says, sister, brother, walk. I'm with you. I know. And this is maturing in Christ. The big word is called sanctification, remember? And God's providential scale, one of the reasons the Apostle Paul, in my mind, oversaw some people being killed is because when he was saved and commissioned and people did all sorts of hell to him in the name of their whatever, he could remember back and go, I've been forgiven of everything. I cannot hold this against them because I've done that. So prayer, I want us to take away in a few moments, is the opportunity as believers to come before the throne of grace and willingly offer ourselves to be formed by our God. Saints, that is an incredible gift. I would encourage you to set up a few times in the day. It can be brief at first, but you will be formed. We read the word. We come to church. We sing songs. We take communion. We serve together, but there is a special beauty and resolve when we can make these moments regular in our lives. And if you don't know, simply start with the Lord's Prayer. Not in a rote way as we're, taught, as we're taught to not pray, but just as a foundation. I love golf. I will teach all of you how to play golf if you want to come learn. I'm not that good, but I have a few tenants. The first thing is this. This is the foundation. P 
People look really funny when they swing a club for the first time. But there's a few tenets in the swing that if you practice over and over, that if you dedicate yourself to, you'll be formed in one who can actually swing the golf club and it goes straight and you go, oh. But we would be foolish to think someone could pick up a club and hit a ball straight 250 yards their first try. Don't have that same mentality with our prayer life, right? Because the pushback is what? Some of us have heard it. I just want to pray in the spirit and pray when I'm led. Amen. In my experience, the spirit often leads in a greater way, in a more powerful way, when a foundation has been what? Laid. And so Daniel was a man of prayer. I don't even have time to give you the rest of the story. They catch him. They bring him before the king. And what does the king do? Outwardly laments he signed this law into what? Law. What happens to Daniel? Does Daniel lead a march to the capital and say how wronged he was? Because I didn't even get to it. But Daniel is experiencing Matthew 5, 12 and 13. He's being persecuted for righteousness sake at this point. Daniel basically says, like he always says, my God can protect me, but if he doesn't, it doesn't make him not God. Bad way to say it. Let God do what God's going to do. Daniel's thrown into the lion's cave, really. A stone is rolled, and there's a guard. That's kind of funny, too, the way that all works out. And the king, this royal king, King Darius, I might have called him Darius a few times. It's kind of interchangeable, right? King D, he fasts all night. He doesn't sleep. It appears he almost tries to pray, the way the scriptures read. <laughs> He's up. He's doing, he doesn't want any business. He doesn't want any king things. He doesn't want any food. He can't sleep. And right when sunlight breaks, what does the king do? He condescends, he humbles himself, and starts to run. Kings don't run, except Jesus, amen? Jesus runs towards you, not from you, okay? Prodigal son, Luke 15, the father runs towards you in Christ, not from you. When a king runs, it's showing humility. It's very undignified to run. I think I have it, so I'll read it. He runs, and he shouts, Daniel, hey, are you alive? Let's go to Daniel 6.21. Look at what Daniel. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. The translators got it right. I looked it up. He's not talking about Yahweh. He's talking about Darius. Think about that. My wife's uncle Bert, Bert Ware, he's thrown unjustly and unlawfully outside of a man-made law into a dungeon to die. I know Uncle Bert, so he'll laugh at this. Would you say, oh, great police officer? No, you'd be like, what is your problem? That's what I would say, too. The first thing I would say out and be like, shame on you, king. How dare you? Let me get my Facebook group started against you. That's what we do. But because he's been formed by God in many ways, through prayer specifically in this little account, he comes out with honor to whom honor is due. Why is king due the honor? 
because God has placed him on the throne at that time. And in God's way, this is his plan coming to fruition. And he says what? Oh, king, live forever. Next one. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found what? Blameless. All of us want to live blameless in the right way. We're not trying to gain our salvation, but we want to live right lives. We believe in Jesus. I will tell you this because I love you. Your pursuing blameless will fall short if you and I don't regularly pray to our God because that's how we're formed. Daniel was a devout man. He was a Jewish man, but he, he sets an example. I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. What happens to the conspirers in this story? Not that we pray to get our enemies killed. Jesus said, love your enemies and don't harm them. So the new covenant has ushered in a new way, but the conspirers and their wives and their children are thrown into the lion's den, and guess what happens? The lions have a smorgasbord. We'll say it that way, okay? And the king, as all the kings have done in Daniel, maybe not Belshazzar, but most of the kings have done in Daniel that we studied, now pays homage to the God of who? Daniel. Daniel has been formed He's done the best he's, he could. He lived as a fearful man who feared God as a good citizen in a pagan land, as a good employee, as no doubt a, a family man, and people are now praising Yahweh. Not much has changed, Christians. We are called to preach and teach and disciple and baptize, but I hope we all understand who we want that for our world and for our country. This, by the way, this story and last week and as we're going through this is God sending us probably grace because of where we are at as a culture, as a nation, all the things going on. Last two minutes. Whatever political fervor has ramped up in your throat the last two weeks, pastor encourages you to do this. Take those thoughts and those questions and those hurts and those angers and give God the space in this next week and pray deeply and seek his face deeply and allow him, that's the hard part with God's sovereignty between Romans 1 and Romans 9, there's this mystery for human beings and the human will and the goodness of God, allow him the space to form us this week while we pray. I wish people would pray before they go to protest. I wish people would pray for at least two weeks. That's my litmus test. Either side, just pray. Last story. I went to an Acquire the Fire youth rally at AT&T Park about 15 years ago. It's a charismatic ministry, does a lot of good youth ministry, but they show up to liberal cities and basically set the city on fire and leave. And so I actually went to try and like talk to some of these guys because I had an online relationship. That sounds weird. I knew some people through email. And I ended up meeting these counter-protesters at the rally. They were called A True Church. The gentleman's name is Darwin Fish. He studied under John MacArthur for a long time, but then went sideways and just went sideways and went sideways. And he basically showed up and said, there's nobody saved except our church, 20 people, one of those guys. I said, oh. I said, wow. I said, okay, T tell me about your gospel. 
and they basically came up with the signs that you would imagine, you know? All the leaders of Acquire the Fire are gonna go to hell and they do all that stuff. All the anti-homosexual, all that stuff there. And the only question I could ask them was, have you prayed for two weeks for the people that you were gonna encounter at this rally? And God gave a few of us the wisdom to not talk to them if they hadn't. One guy had, and it was pretty good dialogue. It was pretty good discourse. But the people that hadn't, it was just fury and vitriol. And that's much of our world. Let's be praying people. Let's be people who are formed by God. Again, it's not a challenge, but I do encourage us to pray a couple times a day and see how that forms us. Thank you for hanging in five extra minutes. I think it's important when we especially talk about prayer. And uh, it's good that you're here. I think God's people need to gather in these times and all times. Let me pray. I'll pray again. I've prayed three times today. So no, that's not what it means. <laughs> and there's some fellowship across the way. The courtyard, I'm sure, is 10 to 12 degrees cooler with the breeze. And we'll uh, continue our Sunday. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the story written many years ago. Thank you for this man and this people who lived in exile. And thank you for your word and your prophets and the testimony of how to live in that tension. Father, thank you that you have given us the gift to come before your throne of grace, to be formed and to be shaped and to be molded by you and your word and your spirit. Father, thank you for Jesus who part of his hanging on the cross was to buy that gift too, the gift of full access through his blood. Father, I pray for the people before me and the people in our body who are traveling, some in faraway lands. Bless and keep all of us. May your face shine upon us and give us the grace to live for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen.